I think I like his honesty about it, really. I think he depicts life as it is and the landscape as it is. Welcome to 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. My name is Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums. 2023 marks 100 years of our museums and collections, and we're celebrating by examining 100 intriguing objects that help tell the story of Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the story of a local man who created beautiful works of art, but had a rather troubled life. Today's object is Grassyard Park by Reginald Aspinwall. The painting is in oil. It's fairly small at roughly 30 centimetres by 45 centimetres. It depicts a tranquil meadow with several mature trees shading cows and sheep which graze and rest beneath them. A path winds its way through the scene towards a thicker area of woodland behind. In the bottom right corner it has been signed Reginald Aspinwall, 1908. This is just one of many Reginald Aspinwall works in the collection as he was a prolific local artist. We spoke to Alistair Makinson, an artist who has been hugely influenced by Aspinwall's work, to find out more about this fascinating and sometimes troubled artist. We started off with an introduction to the early years of Reginald's life. Reginald Aspinwall was born in Preston in 1855. His father was the editor of the Preston Guardian, which was the local newspaper there, and it appears as though he studied at the Preston School of Art for a few years before uh, moving up as a student teacher to Lancaster School of Art, which is now the Story Institute, in the 1870s. At the Lancaster School of Art, he was under the tutelage of Herbert Gilbert, who was the art master there, and he gained top results and received many prizes. He had a six-year apprenticeship there, he was thought of as being a star pupil of Mr Gilbert and he said that after six years of training he now finds his way in the world of landscape painting and I believe that success will attend him. I am sure that he has the ability to secure it. In 1881 he took up a studio in Market Street Chambers. At that time he was living on Fenton Street which was across the road from the Story Institute. And in the 1891 census, he's found to be living at Carnforth, next to the Shovel Pub, but close to the railway station. Now, I think that the railway station was a a key area for Aspinwall as a, a landscape artist, because it gave him access to the countryside, to certainly to the Loon Valley, which was one of his favourite areas, and also to the Hesham area and. Morecambe and out towards Condor Green and Glasson Dock. He was likened to G.K. Chesterton, in looks anyway, but very humorous bloke apparently, and uh, would have a drink with anybody. But Reginald's life was not always easy. He developed a lifelong issue with both alcohol and debt, which would lead to a rather sad end for the artist. He had um, an ongoing problem with debt and alcoholism. Now, there is talk that his work suffered because of his alcoholism. I think his production suffered, but not the quality of his work. I 
cannot say that I've seen a bad Aspen wall. I've seen good Aspen walls and I've seen okay Aspen walls, but there's none that I, I would suggest are poor because of his alcoholism. But the debt was obviously an ongoing problem. He never had a secure home. He was always boarding in various houses and lived pretty much throughout the Lancaster areas. Also, he's seen to be living in Wharton for a while near Carnforth. And then in 1901, he was seen to be living in the Temperance Hotel on Westbourne Terrace. His work seemed to be fairly consistent up until about 1911, and then there doesn't seem to be any trace of him at all. We know that at that time he was living up in Bruff in Cumbria, but obviously this ongoing financial problem was following him around. For the last 10 years of his life, he's been basically incarcerated. Because of his bad debts, he was moved to the workhouse, and then later on, for the final few months of his life, he was admitted in July 1920 to the Moore Hospital, and he died shortly after that. And what about the art that he created? What sort of work did he do, and what is it that makes him stand out? He did one or two sort of seascapes, but it was mainly landscapes, and the River Loon was obviously a favourite haunt of his, and the coastal areas of Hesham and Morecambe. It appears as though he went up to Cumbria quite a bit, to the River Eden, and he painted the landscape around there, and he did live there for some time. He was lodging at the Castle Hotel in Bruff. Also, he travelled to Wales when he was in his younger days. He also travelled to Cornwall, and they do have a painting of his in the Penley Museum in Cornwall. His scenes often depict cattle just grazing in a field, in an open landscape. I don't think he was the strongest painter of cattle, but when he has them as a suggestion in the, in the field, uh, they, they just work perfectly, the way the light just hits them. And he never seemed to paint in winter. The very few of his scenes are winter scenes. The good thing is that after all these years, the landscape hasn't really changed. So it makes it very easy to find out where these pictures have been taken, because he included everything. He didn't leave things out if they were slightly unsightly. My favourite is a picture of Grassyard Park, which is Gresgarth Hall, actually, in Caton. A typical Aspen Wall picture, a bright sunny day, vivid colours for that period that he was painting. He was quite a vivid painter. But it depicts cattle and sheep just resting in the shade, dappled sunshine, and it always has... A nice little way into the painting. There's a little path going through it which sort of leads you in. And it's, it's quite sublime, really. And not a big painting, but a typical good example of him working at his peak in 1908. I think I like his honesty about it, really. I think he depicts life as it is and the landscape as it is. So he was a wonderful painter of skies and atmospheric. He's influenced my work quite, quite a lot, really, over the years. I think... Had he had had the right training, maybe in sort of London or Paris, he would have made a good impressionist because his, his use of colour is, is quite fantastic. He was something different to other artists around here because they would tend to be a little bit more traditional. And I don't think Aspinwall saw himself as a traditional artist. He painted in bright, vivid greens rather than the sort of browns of the Victorian 
paintings, but he did have this ability to put atmosphere into the painting that none of his contemporaries, certainly from the Lancaster area, were able to do, apart from Le Morne Birch. Well, I think art was going through a change during Aspinwall's career, and albeit his work never really varied too much subject matter, I think in general the trend was to paint more vividly. So he was, he was up there with that, uh, and certainly as a provincial painter, I think he was quite ahead of his time in that respect. But Aspinwall was a commercial painter. Although he worked in a range of mediums and exhibited at several prestigious shows, for the majority of his career he focused on producing prolific amounts of what people wanted. He was consistent in what he painted. Maybe his earlier works were often larger. What the reason is for that I don't know. But of course they may have been what he was considering for exhibition purposes because he did exhibit at the RA and he was awarded the membership of the Royal Cambrian Academy. Aspinwall worked in both watercolour and oil. Some of his larger, earlier works were in watercolour, but I do have quite a large oil of his, of a seascape of 1886. He would paint on site, but as a sketch, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he would do the full amount. He would bring sketches back and work them in his studio for the finished paintings. He did tend to have sizes that he used. He probably got a better deal with his framer sort of thing, but he always framed them in a very good expensive frame, which suggests that they were well thought of by the buyers. And he didn't sell them in galleries as such. They were often sold by auction, and there may be a hundred paintings at one time sold by a local auctioneer. It appears that after the sale of a hundred paintings, he seemed to sort of go on a little bit of a... Well, he'd go a bit quiet, shall we say. I think when once the money started to run out, he would work furiously, and he was very prolific. It was once said that somebody came along to buy a sketch that was unsigned, and he was selling it for a pound, and they asked him if he'd sign it. He said, of course. So he signed it, and they said, that's five pounds, please. As we've already heard, Deck continued to follow Reginald. Alistair explained how sadly the sale of his paintings ultimately proved unequal to supporting him, and talked us through how some of the sales of his paintings worked. Oh, this is 1911, sale, sold by Mr G. H. Petty, who were auctioneers of the town, and this appears to be his last sort of big sale, and there were a hundred paintings of oil and watercolours by Reginald Aspinwall. There's quite a few around Caton, quite a few from the Condor Green area, and the chapter house at Cockersand Abbey, all are close by to the railway station, so he would obviously get his painting gear and wander off on the train. There are quite a few in this last sale that were up in the uh, Bruff area. Those never seem to have sold as well as the ones from Lancaster. Though. And there is one interesting one here, number 44, which was a June afternoon in Grassyard Hall Park, Cape, which I'm pretty sure it's the one that they have in the museum now. That was his sole income. He was successful to a certain degree. It just spent too much of it. That's the problem. There is an instance of some financial troubles that appeared in Lancaster Guardian. 
It was a case against Purvis versus Aspinwall, and it was a one called Isabel Purvis, who was a lodging housekeeper, and it went to court because he couldn't pay it on the time scale that he'd been given. So he suggested that he sold some of his paintings to pay off the sum of £139, which in today's money is around 14000 so a huge sum of money, really. But it didn't quite reach the amount that he was hoping for. So therefore, there was a balance of £62, which Reginald Aspinwall refused to pay. Eventually, he had to submit another ten paintings for sale. His smallest paintings used to sell for about £6, which doesn't sound very much now, but it was pretty average for uh, an artist of his standing. He died pretty penniless, and I believe that his friends paid for his funeral, otherwise he would have had a pauper's grave. But it is an interesting obituary in the local newspaper. The old story of wine in and wisdom out. The nation has been robbed of talents which many would give thousands to possess. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. There's lots more to discover in our other episodes where we look at everything from cowboys to coffins. <laughs>